Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. How we doing, church? Yeah, good. Uh, hey, it's a, I was saying to somebody this morning, it, it's the best day of the week as far as I'm concerned. It's Sunday morning, so I'm I'm amped. I'm ready to go. We are kicking off a new series this morning. Uh, this series is going to be called Here To. And every week we're going to kind of look at this kind of overarching theme of like, why are, why are we here? And I just want to be clear off the, off the get-go. I'm not trying to philosophically answer that question. Like, why, why are you here? I think, I think you should ask yourself that question. I think you should take the time to wrestle through like, wow, why am I here? What am I doing? Right? And, I, and I, I believe that all of us are here. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says that the, the chief end of man, this is one of their conclusions, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So big picture, why are we here? That's why. That's why. That's why I'm here. I just want to make, make Jesus' name as popular as I can make it. I want, to, I want to share him with as many people as I can, and I want to just give my life to him and enjoy him for the rest of my life. Amen? That's why I'm here. But what I'm, what I'm really trying to answer in this series is, like, why, why am I here? Like in Loveland, at Good Shepherd Church, like what are, what are we here for? Every single one of you throughout this series, what I want you to ask is like, why, why am I around the people I'm around, whether that's at work, whether that's at school, whether that's uh, just in the people that I find myself with at the Thanksgiving table? Like, why, why am I here? Why am I here? God, God could have placed you anywhere on the earth at any time, but he placed you in 2020 and 2021, right? He, he picked you to go through the mess we've been going through the last little bit. He puts you here, and he, and he didn't just place you anywhere. He placed you in Loveland, Colorado. Maybe you live in Fort Collins, Windsor, like, but you're here. You're in church here in Loveland. God has a, like, we just, I think we lack a bit of a theology of place. That God has put us somewhere. It's not by accident. And so over this series, I'll just kind of tip my hand a little bit. Where we're going to land, the last three weeks of this series are going to be the last three, three weeks of September. And we're going to look at, like, what we are here to do as a church and why we are here. And we're going to make some of the uh, investments that we want to make into the church building. We're going to make them known. I know I've been kind of dropping hints about this for the last like couple months, but we're going to just kind of lay it all down, show you guys all of it. And then man, if, if you're in and you want to participate, we're just going to say, okay, God, now, now what do you want to do here? What do you want to do here? Because this is our church. We're, we're not going anywhere. Amen. Like, like it's just so refreshing when you just kind of realize that you're, you're not going anywhere. And you're just out of place. Like, like I don't want to just be a potted plant that just kind of gets picked up every now and then and replanted and picked up again and, and replanted. Like, I, I, want to, I want to have roots that go down. I want to grow. Don't you guys want, I mean, I want to grow. I want to be fruitful. I want to see a harvest happen in my life. Not just over like this little span of a season, but for generations to come. This is what the Bible talks about. Like, like a wise man has an inheritance for his children's children. Talking about there are things that God can do that are so profound that they'll last lifetimes. Like, that's what I want to participate in. I'm here. I'm here, God. There's so much freedom that comes from just deciding that you're going to be in a place. Every, every, uh, about every Christmas, Katie and I make the same joke. And, and for those of you who don't know, Katie's family, I mean, they're sitting right here in first service. So I just had to like admit this to them in front of them. You know what I mean? Uh, my parents are usually sitting like right over here somewhere in the first service too. Uh, but, but we have both of our families live in town. And it's beautiful. It's amazing, right? Like it's, it's an awesome thing to live so close to family. How many of y'all that have all your family in town, you know, that's also not always the case too. We can be real honest this morning. Like it's about every Christmas that after we do all the family gatherings and we do this half of the Christmas and this half of Christmas and the other half of Christmas, and I'm like, how many halves of Christmas are we doing? I got like three whole Christmases that we're doing here if I add everything up. 
And then it's like usually December 27th, 28th, where we're like, what is real estate in Texas doing right now? You know? <laughs> but the, I mean, the truth is that, like, no, like we're not going anywhere. We love our families. We love being here. I love being here. I love being a pastor here. I love being in this city. This is a city that God has placed me in. I'm here. And so what I want to do is I just want to unpack and practically look at what are the things that we're here for? What are the things that we're here to do? And today what we're going to look at is that we are, we're here to serve. We're here to serve. This is the week where we would usually, over the last like 10 plus years, since 2008, we have done as a church what we call faith in action. And so if you're newer to the church, you haven't even heard of this because we haven't got to do it the past two years. But the past like over 10 years, we have shut down church on Sunday morning, which just real practically, if you know how the church makes money, like as a business, uh, we make it all pretty much on Sunday morning. And so if you're just going to say, we're just not going to take 25% of our income earning days on, on this month. And we're just going to say, no, we're, shutting, we're shutting, shutting the church down, closing services, and we're going out and we're serving our city. That's been this really profound and awesome thing. It all kind of started in Kent's heart, this stirring of, of hey, uh, if your church closed its doors today, would anyone else in the city care? Would anyone else know? Like, it's a good question to ask ourselves as we, as we sit in here every week and we, and we love our church and we're gathered in here because we love people here. We love worshiping together. We love opening the word together. And we, we have this really good time in here. But does anyone else care? Does anyone else even know? Like if we stopped gathering tomorrow, would the rest of the city even care? And so we started making partnerships with Stansbury, RIP, right? We all miss Stansbury. It's gone. It's an early childhood center now. Mary Blair's next. We partnered with Mary Blair and, and they're on the chopping block next. Calm ball. But we would do these things strategically in our city, in our community, so that the, the community, the teachers, the people would go, man, where's that church that always showed up and would serve for us that day? Right? And so we don't want to just be a, a church that sits here and says, says like, oh my gosh, we love and we care for our city so much. We want to be in a city that knows and loves our church because of the influence and the, and the availability we have because we're here to serve. We're here to serve. So I want to just quickly walk through three little windows of scripture that would give us this idea of why we would serve. Really, if we have faith in us, what, what then would compel us to go out and to serve? And as we look through those three windows, what I want to do is I want to just unpack uh, some of the places we're already involved. Uh, I, I'm not interested in just kind of standing up here and saying, okay, well, let's just like put our, let's put our like best strategic pawns forward and see where all we can get involved in the city. I just want to go, God, you've brought people here. We're already involved in some organizations locally. But then as I go through this, it, I know there are some of you guys who do prison ministry. There are some of you who are, who are volunteering for different programs or doing different things. If you're already doing local outreach, here's what I want to say. Let us know. Let us know so we don't have to feel like we can reinvent the wheel with doing something. But man, maybe we can just partner with what you're doing. Because the church should be here to serve. Uh, the, Jesus himself says, I did not come to be served, but to serve. But to serve. He's our role model. The first one that we're going to look at is or Jesus' words himself, Matthew 25. If you have your Bible, you can open there. 25, verse 31. And before we read, let me just kind of set the context and maybe the weight of this passage here, because this is talking about Jesus coming back again someday, and he's going to gather all people to himself, and he's going to separate people into those who are going to inherit the kingdom of God, who are going to step into eternal life, and then he's going to separate those who are going to step into eternal punishment. And so just, you got to like feel the weight of this because hell's not just a, a theory. This day is not just like an idea. This is, this is going to happen. It's real. And so it should create in us this sense of reverence. It should create in us this sense of urgency to go, okay, God, what would you have me do? 
Starting in verse 31 of chapter 25, Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, sorry, the sheep on his right, and the goats will be on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. And I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you? Or when were you naked and did we clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So I mean, we, we feel the weight of this passage as we read it. Uh, and what strikes me as so interesting is that both parties the people who are stepping into eternal life and those who are stepping into eternal punishment respond to Jesus uh, in the same way. They both say to him, Lord, when? The people who are inheriting eternal life, they're saying, when did we do all that stuff? And that gives me a hint then that shows that the people who are inheriting eternal life were not told exactly what to do. They weren't given this exact marching order, but as they encountered a kind, they encountered a compassionate, a loving, merciful God, they just started acting that way to other people. So, I mean, they didn't even know that they were ministering to Jesus. And they're just in some sort of surprise to go like, wait, when did, when did we do that? I didn't, I, don't, I didn't even know we did that. And he's saying, when you were doing it to everyone else, you were doing it to me. And likewise, the people who are stepping into eternal punishment, they have the same response. They're like, when, when didn't we not, when did we do that? When did we miss you? Which kind of tells me that, that as we get into doing things in this sort of rote way with church, where we sort of, I think we're all convinced that if Jesus were standing right here, we, we'd shape up a little bit more. And certainly I hope that's true. Like if Jesus just walked in and sat right here, like I think we'd all straighten up a little bit. You know what I mean? Like we'd all be on our, are you guys with me today? Like, we'd be on our best behavior, amen? Like, we'd do everything right. And, and it's almost as if they were looking for Jesus to start being obedient rather than just being obedient in, without Jesus being present. How many of you know, if you're not acting the same way when your boss is present or when you're just left to do the work, like, you don't have integrity. I used, I used to work at this job in a clinical research department for Medical Center of the Rockies, which is just kind of like a fun name drop because it sounds awesome. But really what it was, was data entry. That was just glorified data entry. I just sat at a desk and, and praise God, like it was this really cool time in my testimony where I, I was bored. It, it does not take rocket science to input numbers into a, into a spreadsheet, turns out. And so I could just like listen to a bunch of sermons as I was doing this. Uh, but when I first started, I, I was an intern and my, my desk was right here. My boss's door was right there. And so every time she would come up to me to talk to me, I could see her coming. Do you know what I'm saying? 
But then when I actually got hired there, like my desk was now over here. And so I'd be like on YouTube watching John Piper. I'd be watching Matt Chandler. I'd be watching Judah Smith. I'd be watching, you know, and, and she would pop over and I'd have to do the like, oh, close this, close that, get rid of that. Like, ah, you know, I'm, probably, I'm sure it was so shady, but like, give me, give me some credit, right? Like I was, I was watching sermons, everybody. Sermons is what I was just like diving into. Man, I think kind of the point here that, that some of these people are looking for is they're getting separated into the goats. They're getting separated as, as the people who are gonna be inheriting eternal punishment. It's like they were waiting for Jesus to be present before they started listening to him, which, which shows you that they, they never really had a genuine encounter with who he actually was before then. And just like Jesus says in Matthew 7, there's going to be people who reach that day and Jesus is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And they're going to go, what, what do you mean? We, didn't we do all this awesome stuff in your name? And he's going to say, I didn't know you. Friends, like the urgency right now is, is that you can know him. You can, you can open up this book. He's like, he's revealed himself to us. And you can press it. And if, if you are here today and you are wandering and you're, you're kind of, man, you're not, not following after him, but you're here, you're here. I just want to beg you to consider that he had you come here. It was the, the effectual just call of God. He's just bringing you in saying, man, come on in. Come on in. You can have this. You can have everlasting life. Uh, like you can be saved. What it just takes is your surrender to him. You to just go like, okay, God, I, I yield. I give myself to you. And, and that is how, and that is only how your faith is gonna genuinely produce good works in your life. James shows us this most clearly. James chapter two, if you wanna flip on over to James chapter two, we're gonna start reading in verse 14. James says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? What's the implied answer? I'm sorry? Okay. For the four of you who were with me the first time, you got the answer right. 15, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without actually giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith, if it does not have works, is dead. It cannot save you. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. That, little, that reference is kind of an obscure reference. It's, it maybe doesn't make a lot of sense to us today, but it would have been very clear in this time to all the Jewish people listening to it. When, when they hear that, they would have thought of the Shema back in Deuteronomy chapter six, where it says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so G James here is acknowledging, hey, your theology's right. You, you say that the Lord is one and you do well. Like, good on you. You got one right. He gives them a little bit of a kudos. And then he says, even the demons believe that and they shudder. So here's what this tells us. I can have a faith that intellectually understands who God is and it can be theologically correct. But if it's, it's, if it's void of actually good works and the, and, the, and the fruit of the spirit actually coming out of my life, then it's a dead faith and it cannot save me. He says, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him. It was credited to his account as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. 
And you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now, if you've read Ephesians, if you've read Romans, you know that's like counter to what Paul said a couple different times, where he said, you are saved by faith apart from works. And what Paul's talking about there, he's saying, hey, there's no merit that you can earn yourself. It's only the gracious gifts of God that you've been offered salvation. You cannot earn salvation, guys. You, you cannot step in and do enough good things. You can't act Christian enough, come to church enough times to actually save yourself. You are saved by grace through faith alone. But James here isn't contradicting Paul. James is not comparing faith and works. James is comparing faith with faith. He's saying there's a kind of faith that's dead and yields no fruit, but there's a kind of faith that saves you and it's a kind of faith that shows itself with its works. And he casts their mind back to Father Abraham. You remember Father Abraham? He had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them. So are you. Let's just praise the Lord. All you younger people can ask your parents what's that, what that's about. I learned that as like a 28-year-old, so that's embarrassing. But I know the dance and everything. So um, he casts their mind from Abraham, who would have been this pillar of faith for them. Like he was the father of their faith. He, he, everyone knew Father Abraham. But then I love that he also casts their mind as far as Rahab, the prostitute, who no one would have cared about. Both of them, both of them. Father Abraham, who did this amazing thing where, where his faith was tested and his faith was made complete by the way that he actually showed that he believed that God would credit him another son when he took Isaac up on the altar to sacrifice him. And he had faith to go, no, my God will provide. I will go. And he goes all the way to Rahab, who, who let the spies out a different way, who protected them. It was both of those instances where their faith in God was credited to them as righteousness. They were saved by faith alone, but their faith manifested itself. Their, it's, their faith demonstrated itself in what they did. And so listen, like, I know it's like right now in the sermon, you're like, oh, like this is not great news, you know? And that's how I kind of, like, listen, every sermon that I preach is preached to my own heart first. I hope you guys understand that. Where I go, man, like, okay, am, am I doing enough? Am I going after the things I'm supposed to be? Am, am, I, am I serving the way that I should be serving? And what I'm reminded is, is that, man, authentic faith. When, when you have an encounter with the real living God who has been compassionate to you, and you start to see how he's treated you in the middle of your sin, when, when you start to feel the fact that, no, he's been kind, like he's given me all this stuff in the midst of my rebellion. He's been so kind. He's been so gracious. Then what happens is I can't but help treat other people in that sort of way. So as I yield myself to God who is patient and loving and kind and tender and merciful, and as I give myself to him, he starts to make his like roots take, take, their, take their place in my heart. And I start to actually act like that with the world around me. So I want to just open up for us a few options that we have where we're already serving, where I just want to make them known to everyone in the church so that you could get jumped in and plugged in there if you want to. And then I want to close and we'll take communion together. There's six things that are going to show up on the screen here. And I'm just going to walk through them kind of quickly. Fellowship of Christian Athletes, the, the Larimer County Director of FCA uh, has found himself here at Good Shepherd Church. And we have an opportunity to serve the schools and the, and the, and the school district with FCA. FCA has taken on, like they've said, hey, we're going to provide all the volunteers for every home football game at Ray Patterson Stadium this year. 
And so what I said was, I said, sign us up. We'll take three. We'll take the Love and High Home Games because Chris Stein's the athletic director there. And I said, I got your back, homie. If, if nobody takes those games, what ends up happening, if they don't have volunteers that run the ticket booth, if they don't have volunteers that run the concessions, if they don't have volunteers that run the chain gang, then what happens is either parents or teachers who are already working a ton end up having to fill those spots so that the game can happen. And so I said, hey, sign us up for three. Sign us up for three. Three times, we'll take eight to 10 volunteers. And guess what? I told, I told Scott this morning, I might just happen to be wearing my church shirt when I go down there. It's gonna say Good Shepherd Church across my chest. I'm not asking him for permission. I'll ask him uh, for forgiveness afterwards if he's mad at me. But I'm like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna represent my church. I'm gonna go. And when I show up there at the stadium, I'm just gonna be like, hey, you know what? I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. Whatever, we put, whatever you want me to do today, whatever, however you can use me tonight, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve you. So that's Fellowship of Christian Athletes has that that you can help with. Uh, again, three times this fall, I'd love just to get such a response today that we have to go like, hey, you got to open us up to more games. We have too many people that are interested. Uh, the other option, if you're maybe in the retired camp or you're just younger and you have more availability on your schedule, they need what they call character coaches. Character coaching is this training that they put people through to where you can actually be a, a coach on a team's staff. So you can sit there with the Loveland High boys basketball team and you can show up a couple days a week and you can just invest time into kids. And when, when you're with students, time equals influence. And so if you're following after Jesus and you're starting to influence this kid, like you will have the ability to influence them just based on the amount of time that you're spending with them. And so that's an opportunity that we have with FCA, uh, House of Neighborly Service. H&S is a strategic partnership for this church. They do so much ministry uh, to, the, to the homeless in our community. They help out those who can't pay their bills, who can't pay rent, who can't uh, pay their utility bill. They have a food pantry there. And they, during COVID, oh gosh, they gave out just tons of food, prayed for people. They are a Christian organization. Here's what's crazy about H&S. They actually uh, restructured and identified themselves as a Christian organization just a couple years ago. They actually lost some of their support from some of the churches in town. Sorry, from some of the churches in town. And so we've said, no, hey, we're, we're doubling down on H&S. Like we're, we, are, we are here. And guess what? We're here to serve. What do you need? If they need food, we'll show up with food. If they need people showing up for a gala, like we'll show up and we'll volunteer. And so if that's one that you want to know more information about, you can fill that one out. I'll tell you all about how to fill that out in just a sec. But with H&S, we want to be, be present. We don't want to just write them checks, even though we do write them checks. We also want to send people their way. They need, they need people to minister, people to pray, people to show up and to serve. And that is going to be us. We're here to serve. We're here to serve. Cheryl Wong, actually our former children's pastor, is in the elementary room right now uh, showing the elementary kids a service opportunity that they have where they're going to put together these little snack bags because as they intake homeless people or as they intake people who need food assistance, they've realized the whole process goes better, better if they aren't hungry. I'll testify to that right now. You do anything with me when I'm hungry, you do anything with me when I'm full. And it's a very different process. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so the kids are going to make all these little snack bags. If you have a kid in elementary, uh, you're going to get a flyer when you hand out. I would, I would just ask that you fill up a bunch of those suckers and bring them back. Bring them back. Let's give them over to H&S. We're here to serve. Be the Gift. Um, Be the Gift is an awesome organization that serves single moms and widows in our community and repairs or builds uh, homes for them. Just an awesome, you, you heard about the opportunity to partner with them just here in a couple weeks where they're gonna go rebuild the roof for a single mom over at Laga Vista. Her roof is leaking and they're gonna help go serve her and her son. And what's awesome, I was talking with some people about, about Be the Gift and they said, you don't have to be good at building stuff. 
Like they get people who will come build stuff. And if you're good at building stuff, it'd be a good one to sign up for. But they also just need people who will just run their mouth and talk to the mom and minister to the mom and, and just sit there and play with the kid while they're working. Like they want people to actually start building relationship with the people that they're serving. So don't think you just have to be this skilled laborer to go sign up with Be the Gift. Front Porch is a, is a, a, a meals ministry that serves the homeless lunch uh, during the week. That's Tom Albrecht's church downtown. And we currently, Good Shepherd, uh, goes down there two to three days a month. And what we need is we need people who are willing on Tuesdays, the right Tuesdays of the month, to come and to cook up a bunch of food. We'll tell you what foods uh, we need. And you'll just bring all that food here to the church. And then a coordinator will take it from our kitchen and we'll take it down to Front Porch downtown uh, on Wednesdays to serve the homeless down there, to serve them food. Maybe sit with them, have a conversation. Ask them how their day's going. The, like, they're people who need to be loved on, who need to be fed, who need to be cared for. And so like I was talking with Val Bacus. Val Bacus is sitting right here. She's the coordinator for it, one of the coordinators. And, and she was saying, honestly, it'd be awesome if we had a few more coordinators, a few more people who would be willing to come and, and pick up the food and take it down there um, because then we can maybe take, maybe, maybe Good Shepherd takes more than two days a month. I don't know. Like we'll see what God does with the response. Maybe there's more days that we can feed down there and go. Laga Vista, uh, Duncan Howard over at Laga Vista. It's the trailer park home that's just north of the church on Monroe, uh, a couple miles, if a mile or two. And, and they just constantly need youth mentoring help. And so if you're, ab if you're able and, and, and feel called to go serve and just be, uh, be present with some, some teenagers there, they are always looking for that. And they're always looking for service projects as well to fix things and to, and to winterize trailers and to get things ready to go. And it's just a way that the church can show up and say, hey, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm sure it's not going to be glamorous. It's not going to get all the, you know, kudos, but I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. Mary Blair just emailed us this week. We got their email this morning, heard about it this morning. Um, we couldn't do faith in action like we normally do, but they, they, they called and they were like, can you guys come pull our weeds before school starts outside the building? And I was like, school starts next Tuesday. And I went to Mary Blair. There's a lot of weeds that grow around there, huh? Come on, somebody that's done outdoor at, at Mary Blair before in faith in action is like, they're like there's bags full of weeds out here. And, but you know what our answer is going to be? We're here to serve. We're here to serve. What do you need? Yeah, we'll come pull weeds. And so if you can do that, that's one a little more, it's a little more pressing. It's urgent. It needs to happen this week. But you can fill that one out, check that one as a box, and we will rally a group to go over there and just de-weed the place best we can. So the way that you're going to sign up is on gschurch.info. On gschurch.info, uh, there's a, an outreach tab, or, um, and you're going to click on that, and you're going to be able to just pick which one of these that you want to be on a list on. Maybe, maybe you just want to know more about any one of these. Maybe you just want to be on an email list that every time a need comes up, you can get notified. And so just get online, fill those out. Those are the things we're already doing. But again, there are things that are already happening in the body that we just don't know about prison ministry, uh, youth mentoring programs, all sorts of different things are happening. We just don't know about it. And so if you have something that we should steer people towards, let us know. Let us know. What I want to end with, and I want to take just a couple minutes here, because I think it's so critical before we come to the communion table, is, is the reaction from this message. When, when I'm reading James and when I'm reading Matthew, and I'm kind of feeling the weight of like, God, do I do, I do enough? Am I serving enough? And, and, you, and you read these things and you kind of say, okay, here's some opportunities so I can just start checking this list and doing this thing and getting signed up here and I can start checking the box that you have for me, Lord. But in Isaiah 58, we, have, we see this passage where Isaiah is, is saying, hey, Israel, uh, you messed up. You were supposed to be my witness to the world. 
People were supposed to see you, Israel, and they were supposed to see me as they saw you. And, and, and as, is, as Isaiah is pronouncing this judgment, we read this in Isaiah 58. He says, Is not this the fast that I chose, to loose the, loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then, catch that word, then, at this point, Israel has been fasting. They've been going without food. They've been denying themselves. But, it, but it's, it's crazy to me how they're so willing to deny themselves and they're so unwilling to help others. And God's saying, no. Like, as the church, I know this is true. Our tendency is to always prioritize our own spiritual rhythms and our own spiritual practices. And, and please hear me. I think spiritual rhythms and spiritual practices are, are a vital part of your life. You should be praying you should be reading your Bible. You should be fasting from time to time. All of those things are not the end in and of themselves. They are a means to an end. So I don't, I don't pray so that I can kind of put this notch on my spiritual belt. I don't, I don't fast to put this notch on my spiritual belt. I don't read my Bible so that I can just feel good about reading my Bible. I, I do those things so I can practice being close to Jesus. And as you practice these things, Jesus will start to get inside of you. And it won't be this thing that I now have to try to push out onto everybody else, but it, be, it starts to be this thing that I've become. I, I'm starting to have this light that indwells me. And I start to actually look like him and represent him. Not because I'm trying to do all the things that he's called me to do, but because I'm simply just spending time getting to know who he really is. And as I get to know who he really is, you just start to become like him. Isaiah says, then then if you will start doing the things that I have done, showing kindness and compassion to the marginalized, to the oppressed, to the, to, the, to the hurting, to the hungry, to the poor, to the widow, to the orphan, if you start caring for them, then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Uh, it's, it's getting into next week's sermon, but if we're going to ask for revival in our city, it's going to start in our own hearts. It just is. And so as you come to the communion table today, it's the perfect reminder that says, yeah, you've fallen short. You've messed up. And Jesus has been so kind and so generous and so compassionate to you. And so as you come, I pray that you would just reflect and dwell on that and that God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, might just incite you to do something about it. That he might just send you somewhere because the Holy Spirit is never going to send you where he's not going to also empower you to go. Amen? So as your heart is ready, I just ask that you'd come to the communion table. And communion, if you want to grab, there's, there's two cups in one. The bread and the juice are in one cup. Uh, we have open communion here at Good Shepherd, which means uh, if you're not a member, that's not a problem. Uh, I just ask that if you're going to come and you're going to respond to what Jesus has done for you, then you would actually know what Jesus has done for you. And if you want to have that conversation, then I'll be sitting right here. You can come talk to me. But uh, for those of us who are celebrating and being thankful for uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, come on up and participate in communion this morning.
If you're still uh, praying, go ahead and keep going. I just want to share. First service, we had a we had a gal who has a, a good friend, and she's she, this guy's also related to some people who go to church here, and and he has been in the hospital with some lung issues uh, for like 50 plus days. And today's sort of a make or break day for him um, and his treatment. And she just felt the urgency to to pray as a body. And so one of the ways that we can serve is we can pray. We're going to be praying for our brothers and sisters, praying for people who don't know Jesus yet. And so as we close the service today, I really do feel like that was a word from the Lord. And so we're going to take a second as the body of Christ. And his name's Brian. We're going to take a second and we're going to pray for him and lift him up. And so if you would, would you pray with me? Jesus, for Brian, I just, I lift him up to you, God. And I ask that you would just uh, uh, pour out your healing on his body, that you would settle his lungs, that you would heal uh, whatever it is that's not, that's not well right now. God, you know specifically what is going on, even as the doctors are having a hard time getting him to respond to treatment. God, I pray that you would just uh, do a complete and just utter miracle right now, and that he would just even now begin to breathe on his own, that his lungs would be restored to full capacity and function, God, and that you would bring this healing swiftly and that it would be complete. God, we pray that this miracle would would be something that just kind of rings in the doctors and the nurses and all those who are caring for him. It, It just rings in their ears that just glorifies your name. Jesus, thank you that we can come together and we can pray and that we can serve in so many different ways. We can, give our, we can give ourselves to our church. We can give ourselves to the people of the church. We can give ourselves to our community. God, I pray that you would empower and, and give everyone in this room clear discernment where they can take a step, take a step towards just serving you in a way that you would call them to, God. I pray that we wouldn't try and force stuff, that we wouldn't try and just uh, create something that isn't there, but would we, would we just in response to your spirit, God, would we just go where you lead us? Would we minister to people? And we see, would we see people come to know you? Would we see marriages healed and, and lives healed and families restored? And we see people back in relationship with you. Jesus, we love you. And we give you all the glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 